Turn your porch lights off because we're coming home with a trophy. Last play. Bremer goes down the short side, turns it away to Karina Brown. She puts it on the foot. That's taken the hand of Fiso. Brown hustling up. She's dived on the ball. You're listening to Ladies Who Lead. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of Ladies Who League. I'm your host, Mary Kay, and feeling a little bit sad after the footy results <laughs> last night. That's sort of the worst thing about your footy team playing on a Friday night. When they lose, it spoils the entire weekend. Before we get into the footy action, let me introduce you to my panel. This morning, I'm really lucky to be joined by one of Australia's best touch football players, Danielle Davis. Good morning, Danielle. Hi, Mary. How are you? Can I call you Danny from now Danny, on? Danny, call me Danielle. All right, I'll call you Danny from now <laughs> on. My mum calls me Danielle. When you're in trouble? <laughs> yep. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming in. It's really great to it's have okay. you here. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited. No, my pleasure. And we've also got Tara Rushton from Fox Sports coming back. Good morning, Tara. Good morning. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Really well, Mary, and good to see you and meet you, Danny. Thanks, you too, Tara. <laughs> should we get straight into the footy? Yes. Let's start with Thursday night's game between the Storm and the Broncos. 14 points to 12. The Storm got over the line in the very last moments of the game. Tara, I feel like this game was very much about the return of Billy Slater. Well, it was. They were all the headlines mm-hmm. leading into this game. Look, and, and how great to see Billy back on the pitch. Um, it's hard to avoid the headlines in the 28th minute. You know, he comes on. He's been out for... 374, 75 days, you know, it was such a huge moment and it was so great to see him back on the field. A couple of cobwebs, you've got to say, but I think as time progresses, he's going to definitely shake those off. Um, the game, as you said, was it was quite frustrating to watch, um, but in a way, when you watch Melbourne Storm play, no bias here, of course, is that you are, <laughs> hello, is that you, you don't think it's dead and buried. You always think they're going to find a way to win the game, yeah. Um, which is something that you watched even when it was so close right at the end there and a little bit of luck, you'd say, Josh Adokar getting that final deflected try, <laughs> you know. So that was a little bit of luck there as well. Um, I think, you know, it's it's a shame that Cameron Munster's out. He's broken his jaw. It looks like he's going to have to have a plate inserted. Hopefully it's no longer than six weeks out. Um, but I guess the big blow to that, is that the silver linings Billy got through the game. Riley Jacks, he's already had a taste of first grade football leading up to Cameron Munster's injury. So that's a good sign. I really felt for Cameron Munster. Oh. Like a him and Billy just cursed and never to play in the same footy team ever. Poor Cameron Munster, broken jaw. And you could see him spitting up blood as well, oh. which was kind of gross. Apparently he knew straight away. So he knew. He kind that of grabbed it and went, so I've broken my painful. I broke my Have you ever broken your jaw? No, I actually nearly fractured my cheekbone oh. um, playing touch once and that was cl- like very close fracture and it hurt so much. So I can't even imagine what it would feel like. Danny, I've got to say, I really feel sorry for the Broncos. Like they yeah, had that too. game. They're my favourite team. Oh, <laughs> are they? Well, perfect. So you're the perfect person to talk to about this. So they obviously lost to the Cowboys last week in Golden Point. Yeah. Oh. They lost in the final moments of this game and have had a really tough draw to start the season off. So they started with the Sharks and the Cowboys. They've had the Storm and they play the Raiders next week. It just doesn't get any easier for them. Yeah, I know. And Raiders had such a good um, back end of 2016. I just think it's going to be a little bit of a grind for the Broncos, but um, I'm really excited to watch Benji play for them under Wayne Bennett. I think that he's so awesome and he comes from a touch background as well. Mm -hmm. His brother plays in the Australian men's team, Geordie, um, also a legend. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, I'm really excited to see what they have to give against the Raiders. I think it's going to obviously be a tough game, but 
definitely looking forward to it. Well, the thing with Benji is that he may be another player that a change of scenery does wonders for. So we've seen what a change of scenery has done for Luke Keary. Benji under Wayne Bennett might be that sort of story as well. definitely. I think so. I think he'll just come out guns blazing like he always does and pull something out of his sleeve. (laughs) You know, it's interesting that you said about the tough draw that the Bronx have had and people have said, you know, looking at their results, uh, which haven't gone in their favour, people are saying, oh, they're not going to be in the top eight. They no, will be in on. the top eight. Come on, Broncos. Without, <laughs> but without a doubt, you know, you watch yeah. them play these first three games, they will be there. Yeah. But the other thing about that, Tara, is all that talk about Wayne Bennett having lost the dressing room before the, the season started. Where's his aura gone? Like, what What's was this? all that about? So before the season started, Danny, and listeners, Danny has been super, super busy, which is why yeah, she I've might have really missed a bit of, <laughs> can't wait to talk to you about that later, but... Yeah. Yeah, apparently Wayne Bennett had lost the dressing room before the Brisbane Broncos season had started and there was all this media coverage around it and then they came out in their first game and everything was fine. Wayne Bennett losing his aura is not a thing. (laughs) It's not a thing. He hasn't lost his aura. No, definitely not. Has not lost the dressing room. Let's talk about the next game. So that was the Bulldogs and the Warriors last night. The Bulldogs ended up running away with this game 24 points to 12 a lot of talk about the Warriors. Everyone's expecting them to make the top eight. And I think we're starting to see the Warriors that we saw last year. The thing with the Warriors, they had a lot of ball, a lot of opportunity on a dry pitch, of course, because it was undercover, but they couldn't break down the Bulldogs' defence. And it was a little bit of a risk because Bulldogs' home game, they took it to Dunedin. Mm-hmm. Um, the Warriors have a really poor record when they're playing outside of Auckland. I think it's like in 30 games, they've only won six or something like that. But... Looking at this game and you said, you know, people had high expectations of the Warriors. Criticism going into this game about the Bulldogs attack. Mm -hmm. Post this game, all the criticism is going to be on the Warriors attack. Absolutely. And the Warriors are just one of those teams. Like they have one of the most exciting teams in the competition and they just cannot get it together. They cannot get it together. Um, But the Bulldogs, Des Hasler is another coach that has been under pressure, tremendous pressure. Mm. They were epic last night. I think thought particularly in their forwards. So their forwards ran for 681 metres and that was almost 100 more metres than what the Warriors were able to to make. And when the Bulldogs forwards are going forwards, it gives Josh Reynolds and Moses Mbai more space and they're able to create opportunities. I was happy to see the Bulldogs sit across the line last mm-hmm. night. Yeah, they did well. And I thought the Morris twins were, were pretty good. Josh yeah. defended well. Um, Brett scored a double. So. Yeah, he got two last night. That's right. Yeah. So the Warriors really just played 40 minutes of good football and in a competition that's going to be as close as this year's, mm. it's not enough. You need to be playing 80 minutes of consistent Definitely. football. Don't move your games. Yeah. <laughs> Say no. Keep them at Don't home. move your games. <laughs> we don't want to play outside Auckland. <laughs> now do we have to talk about the next game? Oh, I really don't want to. No. <laughs> this was a layup. This was the Eels game. This, you know what I mean? What yeah. happened, Mary? Come I don't on. know. What happened was that I was so upset after the game that I had four or five chocolate biscuits. <laughs> I know that that's what happened. So the Titans end up beating us 26 points to 14. Mm. The Titans' injury concerns were ridiculous leading into this game and during this game as well. So they obviously lost Jared Hay. Yeah, they, wanted to bring in, right. they wanted to bring in Copley, but he hadn't been around long enough and he hadn't been named in the 21-man squad, so he couldn't play. They lost Will Zillman during the game. They lost Conrad Hurrell during the game. Chris McQueen and Kevin Proctor were, were filling those positions and they were just out of position. Tyron Roberts had a, had a hamstring injury. Um, Ryan Simpkins and Ryan James both went off with concussion tests and the Eels still couldn't get it together. Yep. 
such a shame too. Like I've spoken to you before, Mary. Clinton Gutherson's one of my best mates that I've grown up with and he's playing such good footy at the my moment. My favourite player. Yeah, I know. My favourite player. And he looked fantastic in the first 20 minutes. In yeah, fact, exactly. the whole Eels team looked fantastic yeah. in the first 20 minutes and then we just – Jeff Robson dropped it. the ball. Yeah. And we completely lost yeah. our heads. But it was it was almost like you said it there. The Eels, they came out firing, got really complacent. Titans went, yeah. boom, we're going to seize this opportunity. And that they did and they ran away with it. How much did you miss Corey Norman? So oh, much. Know, yeah. But the thing about Corey Norman is he couldn't have fixed the errors that we were making. No, and just the lack really of respect simple. that we yeah. had for the ball. We were unable to complete sets. We were throwing stupid, stupid passes. And Semi Radraja, I'm not going to criticise his performance because he was epic last week, but dropped two balls inside Parramatta's 10 metre yeah. line, like just dropped them cold. Yeah. But it was, look, you've got to also talk about the positives to the Titans. Yeah. Character, resilience. That's what you want from your footy team, especially when the chips are down, especially when you're going in going, we have so many injuries and they played like they had nothing to lose. I know it's really yeah. early in the season, but Ash Taylor's uh, short kicking game as well, he was on fire. So they did incredibly well. They really, really did. Credit to the Titans. I'm going to say something controversial. Why not? <laughs> I, think, I think the Titans look better without Jared Hayne. Yeah. Yeah. I actually, I well, oh, Mary, it's not no, controversial. No, 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 it's all right. I People, agree. Yeah. I actually totally agree with that. And I think that um, sometimes not having those big names in the team, the other ones that get bored in have to step up. And I think that's it's, really what it's got a Titans huge over opportunity the line. for them. As yeah, well. definitely to and create that, a name for themselves and their freedom. team. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that was largely Parramatta's problem when Hayne was there that we would always just throw the ball to Jared Hayne. Yep. That would be our solution yeah, to every definitely. attacking problem. Yep. And it inhibited the development of other players and other players were just like, oh, it's going to go to Jared. He'll yeah. sort out all our problems. And he just wasn't able to. I thought the Titans looked far more balanced last night without him there. Yeah, definitely. I agree. Agreed. Very good. Okay, so not <laughs> controversial at all. I'm going to ask you both which game you're looking forward to the most coming up this weekend. Danny, which one are you going to be watching? Um, for me, I think it's going to be the Raiders and Tigers game. Okay. Um, I think, like I just said previously, Raiders had a really good um, back end of 2016. Uh, and Tigers, obviously, through their three young guns, Tedesco, Brooks and um, Moses, I just think once they find their form and really get to their peak, they're going to be pretty unstoppable. So I'm really excited to watch them play against the Raiders. Who are you tipping? I'm going to go Tigers. Okay. I am going to go Tigers. I, I don't know why. I've just got a feeling. <laughs> <laughs> so that's interesting. So then for you, after this week, the Raiders will be none from three yep. to start off the season, which is quite incredible considering that everyone, well, a lot of people have uh, tipped them to win the premiership. Mm. There you go. The, uh, the Raiders have a couple of players returning as well. So they've got Jared Croker and Clay Priest coming back. I'm tipping the Raiders because I can't see them losing three on the trot. Yeah. I just can't see it. And the Tigers have been interesting in the opening two rounds because they were epic against South. Yeah, they were, weren't they? But then last week against the Panthers, it was just a yeah. completely different team. Yeah. So I'm also I think the Panthers to this are game. a really similar team in terms of that young sort of fast, quick game to the Tigers. And they obviously weren't really used to playing against that more so when they played against, sorry, what was the first week? Um, South? Uh, South, yeah. There's a little bit more experience and mm -hmm. I think that maybe their speed and their like ablib footy may have got them over the line. So I think that'll be, well, for me, my opinion, I think that'll be the same with the Raiders, hopefully. The Raiders <laughs> need to step up yeah, though definitely. because last week they just looked lethargic. Yeah. They weren't moving forward. 
it was not a Raiders side that I was accustomed to seeing. And if they come out and play that way against the Tigers, the Tigers will run all over yep, them. definitely. So I'm also looking forward to that one. Mm. What about you, Tara? I will say, and I'm going to have to be flicking because, of course, the A-League's on tonight. Yes, of course. <laughs> Fair <laughs> enough. <laughs> Just going to put that in there. Uh, Panthers v Roosters mm-hmm. tonight, I think, will be, you know, both of these teams are predicted to finish in the top four, mm. so we're not talking top eight or whatnot. Um Great signs from both teams. Should be a really big crowd out there. And you mentioned it before um, in some notes we were, were sharing. Cleary, v, Cleary and Tamari Martin v. Keary and Pierce will be mm. such an interesting battle. Really great signs from both sides. It should be a fascinating game. How good's Nathan Cleary? I rate him. You I rate seriously, him. <laughs> just him coming in at the back end of last season, the stuff that he, he's so, for his size and age being for new. his yeah, age, exactly, and being new to the NRL, absolutely, he's so fearless and he just takes on the line like he's got absolutely nothing to lose. Yeah, is it their first? It's their first home game tonight as well. I think. I Pepper think Stadium. they played at home last oh, week. Did they? Oh, okay, yeah, they did. So second home game. So second home game. That's the Panthers fans will be really excited. Yeah, I really rate Nathan Cleary. I think he's going to have a good season. I do too, and I think Penrith fans are really excited mm. about him as well. Him and, you know, Matt Moylan and Bryce Cartwright and Tamari Martin, there's a real sense of excitement yeah. and that they're the next group of sort of youngsters to lead the Panthers into Definitely. the future. Yeah, and we saw that last weekend as well. They were so so fun, so engaging to watch. So should be a really good battle. Yeah, they're uh, always a really exciting team to watch. Yeah. I feel like. They've always just got something off the, like, off the cuff. Off, yeah, yeah, just randomly coming just out of Just good, nowhere. exciting, oh. attacking football, yeah. which everyone loves to yeah. watch. And the Roosters have also been extremely yeah. entertaining to start the season. I didn't pick them to make my eight, but I felt anxious about making that prediction at what the start of the now? year. What do you think now? I know it's so early in to go, we've seen two games, but do you think <laughs> that, that that will change? I think that will change. I think my problem is that I feel like seventh and eighth position is just going to be really tricky. Right. It's going to be such a tight competition and for them to move in, someone needs to drop out and I'm not sure mm, who, who drops be, out yeah. of my eight. It might be the Titans. I've predicted the Eels to make the eight. They could also drop out. Yeah, look, it's hard as well when injuries creep in later in the oh, season no, and absolutely. how people then also deal with the pressure and then you've got origin, etc. So yeah. see how that goes. Well, the Raiders need to start winning some games or they're going to be struggling absolutely. to make the eight. Yeah. You can't be dropping that many games this early in the season. It's just not going to work yeah. with the tightness of the competition True. this year. True. Excellent. Well, we'll take a quick break and then Danny, we're going to come and have a chat to you about Touch no Football. Worries. How good? <laughs> <laughs> Last weekend, Coffs Harbour was buzzing when 122 teams descended to participate in the 21st National Touch League Tournament. So this tournament sees teams come from all over the country to crown champions across several divisions. Danielle Davis, you were there last week and your team, the Sydney Scorpions, took out the Elite Eight. Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah, so exciting. It's uh, it's my second NTL title. Um, I won a couple of years ago. Back when my little sister was playing in the same team as me, she went off for a little bit, she got drafted out, but she came back again this year, unfortunately couldn't play with injury, but it was such a great NTLs. It was obviously 21st celebrations, a birthday and everything was so unbelievable. How were the birthday celebrations? they were incredible. We had fire, those fire machines that they've got in like the state of origins (laughs) and yeah, no, seriously, I felt like I was running out because we played a Queensland team in the final. Yes. I felt like I was running out into the NRL state of origin, like here we go, the fire's going, like everything's (laughs) going on. That's um, fantastic. Had fireworks at the end. And I think the biggest thing for me, the highlight for me personally, was having the Maxville Touch Juniors run us out onto the field and sing the anthem with us. It was really special. And 
after the game, they all came and rushed up to get our signatures and things, and it was really, really cute. That was really awesome. I love that. So, Danny, the team that you played in the finals was a Queensland team. Are they yes. your tough, toughest competition? Um, so, for me personally, and I think my whole team would agree, so we got ranked first um, this year in Broncos, which was the team we played in the final, was ranked second. Uh, I think they're obviously a really great team, mm. but by far, our biggest competition this year was the Alliance, who um, are the developing states. So mm-hmm. you're Western Australia, Canberra, um, South Australia, Tasmania, all those combined together. Um, we played them in the semi. Uh, it was a very close game too. So we were really lucky to get through that. And I think we only really got through it because we are quite experienced and um, our skill level is incredible, the team that I play for. So I think that's what got us over the line in the end, but definitely the Alliance this year. And Danny, can you tell us a little bit about touch football? For someone that hasn't played before, what's it like? What makes it different from other sports? Um, I just think touch is a sport for everyone. So obviously all age groups can play. You can play from under six to over 55s division. There's a mixed division as well. So you can play men's and women's together, obviously all genders. Families can play. Um, and obviously it's a really good pathway for league. We've got so many um League play like rugby league players now that come from touch football backgrounds like Ash Taylor, Bevan French, um, Benji Marshall. So I just think, yeah, it really is a game for everyone and it's just so easy to get involved. It's just being played everywhere over the country. I went to the NTL last year and found it amazing how incredibly fit touch yeah. football players are. So they're, they're short sort of periods of play, but a touch football player is only ever on the field for about a minute yeah. before you have to get subbed off just yeah. because the intensity and how fast you're running. Tell us about the training that you do to be able to keep up that level of intensity on the field. I was amazed. Yeah, it's so fast. It is a really quick game compared to uh, rugby league. It's, I guess it's sort of similar in the speed sense to sevens, but definitely one of the fastest games. Um, training for me is a lot of cardio, <laughs> a lot of running. Uh, we do a little bit of gym work. That's obviously in our own time, but um, mainly it's field work and um, touch obviously has a lot of we've got a lot of different plays and moves and things to be able to break down the defense. It's not just like barging through someone. So the ball skill and the ball training that we have to do is pretty high intensity as well. So talk to me as well about how your season works. Cause you're saying you've got a number of different competitions yep. that run throughout the year. Yep. So you're basically training in pre and post season the whole year with trans Tasman, Vaughan cup, state cup, etc. The world cup that you look forward to as yep. well. How does that all work? How do you fit it in? How do you have a life? <laughs> I don't really have a life. (laughs) (laughs) We're very happy you're here. (laughs) Yeah, no. Well, so we obviously, it depends what year it is. So Origins every two years, World Cups every four, Trans-Tasman is every year. Uh, Youth Trans-Tasman's every two years. So for the poor people like, yeah, Shelley Davis's, Hannah Dybal's, Steph Maolo's, Taylor Clifford's from our Opens Manly team and Opens Australia team as well, they also have to cross over and play youth. It's just incredible the amount of training that goes into it and board and cup runs for most of the year during the winter and then you run into your state cup and then you're back into your NTL training, back into your trans-Tasman training. So it's just never ending. It's awesome. I love it, but I would like to have a break. (laughs) So about five to six days a week you I'd say, yeah, roughly. And then studying and working. And studying and working, yes. And tell us what you're studying. So I'm studying to be a police officer. I'm actually currently just transferred out of a Bachelor of Policing into a Bachelor of Criminology. So hopefully join the Australian Federal Police. Fantastic. How cool is that? (laughs) I hope I never see you. (laughs) 
Tara. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Now, Danny, can you tell us about some of your teammates and who your closest teammate that you've ever played with would be? It's a pretty easy question. Yeah. Well, I think actually it's really impressive this year at the NTL. So our Sydney Scorpions team, every single player was from our local club at Manly. Oh, awesome. Yep. So we had a lot of the young guns coming through, which was so incredible to play alongside them. I've wanted to play alongside them for years and now they're finally getting there. It's awesome. Um, every single player in our team has represented Australia at some level, so in youth or at opens level. But by far my closest teammate has to be my sister, Shelley. <laughs> it's just so good to play with her. It's absolutely incredible. And I think last year she cracked the Women's Opens for New South Wales and Australia, and that was a pretty incredible moment running out onto the field in New Zealand with her. So it's a pretty special moment for our family. Do you guys also help to kind of egg each other on in that regard? How oh, does, how we does... are competitive. <laughs> I'm definitely more competitive. <laughs> Are you? Yeah. Okay. But she's by far, and I hate telling people this, but she's fitter. She's just is a she really? fitness freak. She's studying um, her PT degree, which is pretty cool. But, man, when I go to the gym with her, I leave sometimes crying. Like, she's seriously a machine. So it definitely keeps it really competitive between us two personally, but it's good. We definitely drive each other was and push that, each other. Was that something growing up? Because she's younger than you. Yeah. Um, she saw you playing and yep. wanted to be like older sister or? Yep. It's so funny. We actually, I remember coming back from one of my first, I think it was for the Sydney North under 12s, like touch football team, whatever it was. And I'd made the team and I was so excited. I was like, Shelly, you have to play, you have to play. And she's like, but I don't know how to. And oh. we'd what we'd literally in our little cul-de-sac in Croma on the Northern beaches, we'd be out in the street on the concrete playing touch against oh, each other for goodness. hours, for hours That's and hours. Awesome. And yeah, I remember like explaining. So in touch, you have to put your hand out, obviously, to engage the touch yes. to make like the driving and the rucking quicker. And I used to say to Shelley, like, put your hand out to make the touch. And she'd be like, but Danielle, like, isn't the whole point of touch not to get touched? And I'm like, I don't know what, it, I don't know why you do it. You just do it. Just do it, Shelley. Who cares? And like, we just argue for hours on end. But yeah, it's so cool. And Danny, I love hearing you speak about your relationship with Shelley because it talks to touch football and how much of a community sport it is. Yeah. So it's not rare that, you know, brothers and sisters play together, oh, that no, sisters yeah. play together, that mum coaches the yeah. team. And that's probably my favourite thing yeah. about touch football, that it really is a community sport. Definitely. So in our Australian women's team at the moment in the squad, We've got Shelley and I as a set of sisters. We have the Hennessy or Hopkins now, so Emily Hennessy um, and Sam Hopkins. And then we also have the Petey sisters, so Sarah and Laura Petey uh, and the Clifford sisters, Taylor Clifford and Brittany's coming through the ranks in the youth. Yeah, so that's actually a lot. Three of those sets are from our Manly team alone. Wow. So, yeah, it's pretty incredible how many siblings that's and unbelievable, whatnot actually. play touch. Yeah, and again, a lot of parents and um, – aunties, uncles, like crazy, just how many people are involved. So it's very, very close community, very family-orientated sport. Danielle, why touch football? Have you ever thought about <laughs> making the transition to the Jillaroos? Well, I have. Or another sport? Yeah, well, look, I've got some of my best mates play in different codes. So I've got Maddie Studden from the Jillaroos and um, Brooke Walker and Dom Dutoit from the Australian Rugby Sevens and they're always harping on like, why don't you come give it a go, give it a go? One, I love touch. I just think it's a game that I could see myself mm. playing for the rest of my life. I literally love the game. I love the community. I love the people. Um, but the second thing being, and I've spoken briefly about this before to you, Mary, I just think that it's touch isn't a paid sport. We have to pay to play and it's um, not really heavily funded like other sports are. But in my opinion, that keeps the sport so genuine and so pure because people are simply there because they want to play and because they love the game so much. So I think that 
and I mean that in all respect. Like I love oh. seeing my mates kill it on the rugby field and the league field. I absolutely love seeing them play. I watch them all the time. But for me, touch is just my thing. And it's interesting because we've spoken in the context of women's sport about how the rise of some sports might hurt other sports. But to hear you talk about why you play touch and it's because you love it, that tells me that these sports will always be strong because people will always follow their passions and do what they love just like you do. Yeah, definitely. I think like with the AFL going up, which is so cool to see, um, that's really driving us to want to push more towards that for exposure and um, well, our participation rates are incredible. Mm. I don't actually have the figures in front of me. Sorry, Wayne Grant. But um, <laughs> the the figures, the people that play touch is unbelievable. We have so many people playing at the moment and it's just so cool to see. And in terms of the gender split as well, it's oh, a yeah. very gender yep. equal yeah, sport as really well, which equal. I love. Yeah, so many girls playing touch and it's such a great pathway for them even to go through and play Gillaroos. If they mm. want to play tackle footy, they start off with touch and mm. – those girls that I just mentioned before, my best mates, Maddie, Brooke and Dom, all came from touch backgrounds. Like so many of them start playing touch and then obviously go off into their chosen code. So it's really cool. Danny, I have to ask, when I went to the NTL last year watching everyone run around, all the cool touch football players <laughs> wear their caps backwards. Why is that? I would, of course, wear my hat forwards because yeah. I'm a nerd, well, so. I don't really understand that because <laughs> the point of a hat is to block out the sun. <laughs> But I probably wouldn't say it's cool too. The biggest nerds I know being Pete Norman and Ben Moylan always wear their hats backwards. <laughs> no, they're two of my best mates. They're good guys. But I think it's just one of those fashion things. Like sometimes people wear black socks. Sometimes they wear flashy fluoro boots and things like that. I'm not too sure why, but... If I could phone a friend, I would call Ben right now and just say, what's the go? What's the go? <laughs> <laughs> I'm almost tempted to get Ben on the phone. Oh, like, call a friend. Phone like, a friend. Say, hey, Ben, why do you wear your hat backwards on the touch footy field? I'll be sure to ask him and next time I come in, I'll have more answers. Yeah, please do. Danny, it's been so much fun having you in here. Thank you for coming and having a chat to us about touch footy. Thanks for having me. It's been awesome. <laughs> Tara, it would be ridiculous of me to have you on Ladies Who League and not get you to talk about the A-League. We find ourselves four weeks out from the finals and this season couldn't be more different from last year, I think. We can call this Ladies Who A-League. <laughs> That's yeah. actually what I thought about, like for the A-League. And then if we're talking W-League, we can do like Ladies Who W-League, W-League which would W-League. be very cute. Tara, who are your tips for who's going to make the finals? Look, I think looking at the table where we are, four weeks left to go, it's up. I'm blown away that it's come around so fast. We're always in the season. We're going, oh, that's such a long season, but already we're nearly at finals. Um, Looking at the table at the moment, it is pretty much set. The spot that's really open, though, is that final, final spot. Mm. Top six goes through. Mm. Sydney are top, followed by Victory, Melbourne City, Brisbane Royal, Perth Glory. They make the five. They'll go through. Now, it's that real six spot. Western Sydney Wanderers currently sit in it. Wellington Phoenix are hot on their tails, as are the Newcastle Jets. There's going to be a real battle there because these teams, there's five points between sixth spot and ninth spot on the table. So it really mathematically could go anyway. Um, the Mariners are a real smoky. You know, the Wanderers, they've got an opportunity they play tonight. They host the Wellington Phoenix at Spotless Stadium, but the Wanderers haven't won a game at home at Spotless Stadium thus far this mm. season. Not great signs. They did very well in the Asian Champions League in Asia, though, midweek. Um 
securing their first points of the tournament, going to third in their group, which is great. I'm just going to go out there and say that it could be the Wellington Phoenix Ooh. that make the six, which is a little bit out of the box. We've seen signs, we've seen glimmers of what they can do. They've got a fantastic roster, especially in their front three. Shane Smeltz, Costa Barbarousas, uh, Roy Krishna, Roly Bonavazia, Guy Finkler as well. Um, so I'm, I'm going to say Wellington, but honestly, I really don't know who's going to take that, that sixth spot. It could be anyone mathematically as well. I'd love to ask you about the two Sydney teams because last year when we had you, we were talking about the Wanderers and how excited we were oh. and that they were potentially going to win the final. The Wanderers haven't won a game at Spotless Stadium. I've no. been to a couple and it's been extremely disappointing. What did you think of Spotless Stadium just from a, a punter's <sighs> point of view as well? It's not a football stadium. Like it is a round, it's a round stadium. So it's fantastic for the big bash. It's fantastic for AFL. But when I was watching football, I was just too far away. Yeah. I felt like the players were these teeny tiny little ants and I wasn't far away from the action. So it's really different. Parramatta Stadium, Pertex Stadium, when you play a football game there, it was very intimidating to the opposition. It was it's because you're right there. You're yeah, right you're there. Right and on it's, top a, of them. it's a smaller um, in terms of capacity wise yeah. as well. There, well, that's been knocked down. So unfortunately, we have to suck it up, and they've got to continue to play at Spotless Stadium. It is a shame. It really changes the atmosphere. But as well, psychologically, there's nothing you can do about it. No. So they have to push on, and really, if they want a chance of finishing in the top six. They've got to win tonight. And you've got to get over it. I mean, I'll talk about that for Parramatta next week because we've got our first home game at ANZ Stadium and we hate playing there, but you've just got to man up. Like that is the situation for the next three years while the stadium is being redeveloped. If you want to be playing finals during that time, deal with it. There's nothing, absolutely, there's nothing you can do. You're not Mm -hmm. going to change it. So go out and figure out why it's not working on the pitch. Don't worry about what's happening, you know, the, the, the pitch itself. Absolutely. Yeah. And Sydney FC, what is different about them this year? What a season they've had. Yeah, Sydney, it's all about Sydney FC. It's all about the Sky Blues. It's all about their dominance. It's all about the records they've been breaking. They went 19 games undefeated to start the season. Wow. There was a blip on the radar which came in the Sydney Derby. They lost the Sydney Derby to the Western Sydney Wanderers. 1-0. The Wanderers won the Derby for the first time in over three years. There were tears. <laughs> of course, there were some, you know, refereeing penalties and there was controversy, of course. But it, it's interesting. Sydney came out of the blocks flying really solid across the park. They lost that game against the Wanderers and they've gone on to win the next three mm. after that. So it's just business as usual. What Graham Arnold has done, his team is so fit. They are the second highest scoring team in the league, 46 goals so far. They've got the best defence in the league. Um But when you look at their fitness, they run teams over in the second half of the game. From their 46 goals scored so far this season, 31 have come in the second half and they've only conceded three goals in the second Mm. half. It shows you when you look at certain teams and you're watching them and they might concede a goal, they might might be losing the game. You watch Sydney FC and you think, no, they're not going to lose this game. They'll find a way. They'll find a way to put the ball in the back of the net. So... Sydney FC, what Graham Arnold has done as well is he's also getting the best out of their players. Milos Ninkovic has been a real standout for Sydney FC so far this season. I mean, this is his second season in Australia. So I think as well, he got used to the pitches, the playing conditions, the weather, the travel in the A-League as well. Um, you know, he has been a real standout. Bobo there, Marquee, 11 goals. He's been completely fine. Back to Ninkovic, he's eight goals. 10 assists, which is phenomenal. Alex mm. Brosk, who is Sydney FC's captain, he had a hamstring injury last season and was out for a fair amount of the back end. People thought because he's 33 that that could have 
been the end of his season. His company scored nine goals, uh, which is his career best at 33, which is phenomenal. So, you know, I can look at that squad from the front to the midfielders to the you know, defence, even Danny Vukovic, their goalkeeper who just got a call up for the Socceroos and Ryan Grant in that team who got called up for the Socceroos as well. There's quality across the park. They've got a really strong bench. Um, I would be shocked if they if they win in, in Perth next weekend. I mean, it's a long road trip to go to Western Australia. If they win that, they've wrapped up the Premier's plate. That's theirs. I'd be shocked if they don't win the championship. Shocked. Yeah. Sounds like that they've just been that good. They so, really have. Sydney FC, probably the most exciting team to watch this season. Who's been the biggest disappointment for you? It's been really hard. And I think when you look at teams that go from the height, the high of heights to the low of lows, Adelaide United last year, they did the double. They lost a lot of their side. It happens in the A-League. We, you know, we talk about um, salary caps and, and you know, bumping up our marquee cap and and whatnot, they went from top and now they're bottom. And it's really hard to watch. They they lost five of their key players that got them to the premiership and the championship. And I guess what's been disappointing to watch as well is there have been moments in the season where you can see, you get the impression from the body language and interviews post-game that people are unhappy Mm. and that it can be an unhappy dressing room. You know, they've been a little bit, not a little bit, a lot of bit, actually, especially for their supporters. Um, And they've got some key players as well. So that's been a bit of a bummer. I've loved watching, and I I would say this with a grain of salt, also disappointing, Melbourne City, considering the players that they have, um, they're the richest club in the A-League. They have, they bought in Tim Cahill. They've got Bruno Fornarola, who scores goals for fun. Um, Fernando Brandon, who's now out with an ACL, but you know, there's stars in their squad, Socceroos in their squad as well. They came out of the blocks firing. They won the Melbourne Derby in the second round 4-1. Tim Cahill scored a wonder goal and everyone went, it's going to be Melbourne City will be there at the end. And if it's not Melbourne City, it'll be Sydney FC. And they've kind of, I'm not going to say capitulated, mm. but what we expected, you know, you think this team yeah. is going to go all the way and they don't deliver. That's really disappointing, I think. So, you know, they're 12 points off second spot. They're not close to Melbourne Victory, who are yeah. quite far behind Sydney FC, but they're 12 points off. Just considering the club, the name, the association um, to the you know to, to Manchester yeah. City um, and the club and the MLS as well, you expect more. Yeah. So that's been a disappointment for mine. And the grand final, who plays? I'm going to say the grand final will be Sydney FC and Melbourne Victory. Um Melbourne victory, if you look at their attacking threats, they've scored two goals more than Sydney FC at this point in the season. Marco Rojas, we call him the Kiwi Messi. Bessart Barisha is the leading goal scorer so far this season. He's on 17 goals. James Troisi just got called up to the Socceroos as well. Their attacking front three are phenomenal. They've they've tightened up their defence, which has been fantastic. So I, I can see it being those two. If there's going to be a smoky, it'll be Perth Glory. Okay, mm. I like it. Now, yeah. Tara, before we wrap up this segment, I just wanted to touch quickly on the W League yep. and Heather Reid's comments earlier this week that the W League needs to learn from AFLW in terms of the marketing opportunity. What are your thoughts on that? I think she's hit the nail on the head, but the W League needs to be marketed, period, full stop. Absolutely. That's what happens. Um, it's the most participated sport for females in this country um, and the W League is the nursery for our Matildas. It really, really is. So 
it's really hard as well. Um, Danny, I know that we spoke about, you know, this, the AFL women's competition has come and blown everyone away, but we've yeah. got to take into consideration it's an eight-week competition. Four of those eight teams are based in Melbourne, so in terms of the travel costs, it's going to be less than, say, yeah. you know, the W League uh, for us, which is nine teams. You also, what they've been really smart about doing is putting the W League before the AFL season kicks off. So you've got all of this, you've got a captive audience of AFL supporters that go, oh, I'm just hanging for the season to start. I'm hungry. Oh, the girls are out. They're wearing my colours. I'm going to go and get behind them. I'm dying to see any form of AFL right now, right? An eight-week competition, it also means that if you have a full-time job per se, I'm, I'm, I'm saying that, it, you know, for, for mine it could be easy, but I know it's, there's more things associated with getting time off work, et cetera, and being a full-time professional athlete. Um, it's a condensed, condensed competition. Yep. You know, so it's really hard. It's, it's, it's not the same. It really mm-hmm. isn't the same. When we look at the W League, yes, things need to be done to change it. We don't have a proper home and away season. We don't have 10 teams. We've currently got nine teams. It's 12 rounds plus finals, which make it 14 rounds. The FFA, who supports all of the football teams and the funding, they're having trouble as it is supporting the A-League. The FFA also has to fund 10 national teams. So 10 teams, that's Socceroos and Matildas, that play underneath the first team. So, you know, the under-23s, the under-17s, mm. etc. So it all comes down to money. Mm. Unfortunately, it all comes down to money. You know, it's been great to see a game broadcast, um, simulcast on ABC and Fox Sports. You know, we want to do more. It's really, really hard because you've got a game on at 2.30 in the afternoon. Not the ideal time, not as many eyes on the product. But going back to, you know, the marketing, W League needs marketing full stop. I guess it's really, you know, the thing that hurts the most is that you look at the Matildas they're more successful than our national men's team, the Socceroos. They will go and play in the Olympics. They will play in the World Cup. They will play in the Asian Cup. AFL women don't. Mm-hmm. I mean, so we are. We have to. We really have to think about it. And I can sit here until I'm black and blue. But it's a money. It's a money thing. Mm-hmm. And I know the PFA, who looks after the players, they're trying to do a sixty at sixty and bring in that. Um, six, six players will be paid sixty thousand um, dollars, and there'll be three different tiers of pay this is all good the, you know in, in, they also want to extend the competition to to more rounds and do the proper home and away season and these are all things that they want to get into place they want to see happen but it's also a monetary thing mm. um everyone wants to see it you know the salary cap's still one hundred fifty thousand dollars some players don't get paid mm. you know it is really hard and and, and danny you, you totally were talking about yeah. you were talking about it it's the same thing and it's yeah it just blows my mind when you think about W League nursery for our Matildas. We look towards, you know, the national stage and who we're competing against and that some players are, you know, really having to juggle life outside of football. Mm. And it makes it so hard for them because these women are representing our country and are playing in the Olympics but still having to juggle, you know, studying and working while maintaining all their training commitments. Some of them even children as well. Children too. And people want more. Like people want the Matildas to be meddling but for the Matildas to be meddling, they have to be able to focus on their football. It is really true. Yeah, sorry, I said 60. I said six players on 60 grand. I mean, that's – it's 60 60 players on $60,000. Sorry, talking about the PFA. Um. 
But yeah, you're exactly right. And what happens is that players are coming in younger. So we start playing professional football here younger than, say, America and Europe, but we're out of the system at 24, Mm. which is younger than abroad. When you look at their national teams, the women in in the Brazilian teams, the Germanys, the Swedens, they're actually older because they're, they're staying in the system and playing abroad for a longer period of time. So... It's it's a real challenge. It is mm. such a challenge, but it's really hard. It goes back to, yes, the PFA want to bring in more players getting paid more money um, and a longer and better season. It goes back to the FFA, the Football Federation Australia, who oversees that, and they're kind of having to put their money in their pockets to also support the Matildas and the Socceroos, mm. and, and it's really, really hard. Mm. Okay. But we love the W League and it will be back next yeah. season. So. We do love the W League. We do love Not the W League. Not really negative or anything. <laughs> so that's the thing. How can we end it on a positive note? <laughs> well, you know, it, it was great. The Matildas went and they, they competed in the Argyle mm-hmm. Cup, which is fantastic. It's good to still see, you know, players like Ellie Carpenter, the youngest Olympian ever at 16 years old, to play in the Western City Wanderers and then mm-hmm. go to the Olympics. And these girls are superstars. It's still just fantastic that, you know, people want to, and you talk about it, it's passion for sport. It is, it really Regardless, is. you know, it might be like we don't have 60 players earning $60,000, but you know what? The girls are still putting the boots on and going out and playing and going yep. out and playing in the W League, regardless of whether the change rooms aren't great or they're a makeshift yep. environment. You know, it's one of those things. We're pretty bloody resilient. So we still yep. continue to play. We still play, you know, park football on the weekends. So it's not all doom and gloom. Um, we all have our challenges in our, you know, respective sports. So, you know, but the the thing is it's it's onwards and upwards. Anyways, it's for love uh, of yeah, the game. It's for love of the game. We, suck, we suck it up. That's just what we <laughs> <Yeah>. do. <laughs> Let's get on with it. Yeah, exactly right. This is First of all, big congratulations to the Sydney Uni Flames who last night secured the WNBL Championship in Game 2, defeating the Dandenong Rangers 75 points to 67. This is the first time the Flames have secured the Premiership since 2001 and it was just phenomenal to see. Congratulations are also in order for eight players from the Aussie Spirit who are Australia's female softball team who are going to play for the Chicago Bandits in the National Pro Fast Pitch League, which takes place from June to August and features five teams. So congratulations to Janice Blackman, Chelsea Forkin, Rachel Lack, Stacey McManus, Kaya Parnaby, Samantha Poole, Ellen Roberts, and Taylor Tsitsikronis, who have signed a professional contract with the Bandits and will have the opportunity to play in one of the most established leagues in the world. The Australian squad for the 2017 Wheelchair Rugby League World Cup was also announced this week, alongside a generous commitment from the NRL to aid their upcoming campaign. This team finished fourth four years ago in England, but are hoping to do better this time round. And also in Rugby League news, for the first time, the 2017 edition of the Pacific Test will see England clash with Samoa as part of an all-international rugby league triple header at Campbelltown Sports Stadium on Saturday, May 6th. So make sure you all get down there. Parramatta was so bad last night that I've decided that I'm going to Canberra this weekend to watch the GWS Giants women's team play tonight and the netball team play tomorrow. So I've got to get out of the studio. It means it's time to say goodbye. Danny, thanks so much for coming in. It was a joy to have you. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I think 
and I've said it before, touch is just really a little bit undeveloped in comparison to a few of the other sports. So any exposure that we get like this is obviously great for our sport and I really, really love being here. So thanks for having me. Well, well you are welcome to come back. Bring <laughs> Clint Gutherson and we can do one with the two of you together. I will. I'll bring Boo and I'll bring Shelly in and I'll bring... Perfect. We'll just have a party. Yeah. You know, we can have a couple of people on the mic. Yeah. I don't know where it'll go, but we'll definitely have we'll a lot of fun. We'll, we'll work it out. out. <laughs> Tara, thank you for coming in. It's always a lot of fun when you come no in. No worries. Thanks for having me. Great to meet you, Danny. Yeah, you as too, well. Tara. Thanks, Mary. Thanks, everyone. Well, that's another show done and dusted. Make sure you head to iTunes and leave us a lovely review. I hope you all have a wonderful weekend. Stay dry. You've been listening to Mary Kay from Ladies Who League. Turn your porch lights off because we're coming home with a trophy. Last play. Bremner goes down the short side. Turns it away to Karina Brown. She puts it on the foot. That's taken the hand of Fiso. Brown hustling up. She's dived on the ball. You're listening to Ladies Who League.